Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. One guy wrote, like, like last year, like, that he just didn't like my face. <laughs> said, watching Welcome to Sweden, it's okay, I just can't stand this, the main character's face, or something like that. And uh, <laughs> for some reason, I can't stop thinking about that tweet. Like, Welcome to Varvet International. I'm Christopher Triumph. I'm in Los Angeles having a great time. I long to share these interviews with you. There's many great talks to come. So please make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And please do that via the Acast app, if that's available in your country, or any other podcasting service you use, like iTunes, for instance. I would also like to tell you that Varvet is sponsored by Uber. It's like having a private driver at your service, like three clicks away on your iPhone. And if you are a listener in Sweden and you don't have an Uber account, you should get one. And if you use Varvet as your referral code, you will get 150 kroner to Uber for. So get that account and try Uber, whichever big city you are in. But use the code VARVET in Sweden. It works in Stockholm and Gothenburg. Thanks so much, Uber. So my guest today is Greg Poehler, creator, showrunner and lead star of the hit series Welcome to Sweden. And he's truly a self-made man. When I first met him like uh, three or four years ago, we both were trying stand-up for the first times. And uh, just a year or two later, his TV series came out in Sweden and became a huge success with over a million viewers. That's pretty great for a population of 9.6 million. And then his show uh, was picked up by the NBC here in the US. And this is sort of unheard of that a Swedish show makes it to primetime television here in the US. The show Welcome to Sweden is co-produced by Greg's sister, Amy Poehler. Yes, the Amy Poehler, lead star of my fave show, Parks and Recreation, known from Saturday Night Live and host of the 2015 Golden Globes. That's that Amy Poehler. And in a while, we'll get into how it feels to be the younger brother of, well, one of the funniest people on earth. If you haven't seen Greg Poehler's series, Welcome to Sweden, here's a really rough outline. A New York lawyer, that's Greg, but in the series he's named Bruce. He meets a Swedish girl and moves to her home country. It bears resemblance to Greg's own life, to say the least, and he has an amazing cast in it. Lena Olin, Ileana Douglas, Amy Poehler and so forth. And when I sat down with Greg a couple of weeks ago, he was just in the middle of shooting season two of his series. 
So, let's roll the tape. It's from Vellingby in February 2015. Here's Greg Poehler. How are you today, sir? I'm good. Thank you for having me in your lovely abode. But uh, you told me that you were hungover today because you yes. had it. Well, I'd like to, you know, I want my voice to be as, as uh, sexy as possible during mm. these things. So it's a choice I made. Now we had our, uh, we're halfway through production of second season. So we had our, I don't even know what you would call that in English. It's meat, meat fest in Swedish. Yeah, mid middle, middle party. <laughs> uh, actually, when I wrote it down, auto correct suggested mid fest. So oh, um, really? Mid fest. I don't know. Well, it's a party, yeah. and it's in the middle of production. <laughs> yes. I'm not, maybe we don't have them in, in the U.S. because we have no name for it. Well, yeah, and maybe you shouldn't have either. I, this might be a bit, what do you call it, judgmental on Swedes, but my picture is that we're good workers in a way, but we also work less than Americans. Definitely, yeah. And celebrate when you're only halfway finished, apparently. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I think Swedes are very um, efficient with their time, but also would never give up like their weekends and holidays and things like that. Whereas, I mean, I worked in New York as a lawyer for six years and I worked every weekend and never really thought about, you know, about not working okay. <laughs> on those weekends. Yeah. It's just kind of an accepted way of life whereas here you know a lot of the lawyers that i know here even the ones that work a lot they don't work weekends hardly ever how long was an average work week in new york um well i chose to come home at night (laughs) and then work weekends that was kind of the choice so i would say it was between like nine and nine monday through friday and then five or six hours on the weekends days those were both my that's too much Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for looking out for me. Yeah. <laughs> you get paid a lot, though. So yeah. I mean, it becomes it becomes your life when you're when you're in that environment. We were discussing that. I, I've spent some time in Los Angeles now, and I, I was. Uh, we've been discussing that someone should start a Swedish, like a carpenter service for yeah. renovating houses and so forth. Because in general, I'm not sure that it, this is true anymore, but. People tend to be on time in Sweden, and yeah. and I mean, if if they say something is going to be finished by a, a date, it's probably going to be finished by that date, mm-hmm. and so forth. I've understood that that's not the case in in, in Los Angeles anyway. Okay, okay. Well, this is your business idea then. The Swedish handyman is what you're trying to. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> import. Yeah. Just punctual and un- not very good but gets it done on time yeah and use <laughs> l- loads of pine as you see we're, we're crazy good luck about with that. that yeah good luck with that yeah <laughs> okay so we actually know each other a little bit yeah a little bit i think we met the first time when you were sort of in pre-production of your show Mm-hmm. I remember we we had a coffee, but that wasn't the first time. No, I think we met when I was doing stand-up, actually. Mm. Because we sort of... St- oh, do you remember the date of your first gig? No. But do, it was... Do you? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, that might not, have been... Not of yours. <laughs> That's what I meant. Are you keeping track of me? No, I don't... I actually have no idea. No. I think it was December of some year. <laughs> okay, yeah. I would, I would I guess... 12, it, Yeah, maybe? exactly. 
something like yeah. that. Because I, my first was September 2012, I think, mm-hmm. perhaps October. And then we sort of met in the Stockholm stand-up scene. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I didn't go through with that. I, I sort of dropped out. Uh-huh. But you kept doing it. I do it from time to time. I wouldn't say I'm a stand-up. I mean, I I do it very infrequently, especially now when I'm shooting the show. But uh, Of course, yeah. No, I, I still do it periodically, but I still don't feel like I've ever really um, devoted the time required for it. How come? Well, you're a family man. You have yeah, three children. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, and you had two when, or is that correct? Right, yeah, just my third is, is two now, so just turned two. Yeah, I, I would love to do it some. I would love to spend some time and try to actually master that. But yeah, it's tricky with money and all. It's not exactly a money-making venture, or it can be, I guess, but uh, there's easier ways. But don't you have a really rich wife? <laughs> Where have you heard that? I don't know, but she's a lawyer, right? <laughs> Wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm interested in how you, how you came to that conclusion. Conclusion, because well, she's a lawyer, she's really, really rich. She's a Swedish lawyer, so yeah. But she used to work in in the U.S. Yeah, or, yeah. So did I. That's how we met. I don't know. I've just thought that you guys had loads of cash <laughs> laying around at home. We do. We have we have lots of just random. Cat. We we sleep in a bed of money. You do. I, I do. Yeah. My side of the bed is is filled with money. Yeah. No. Yeah. Okay. She she makes a fine living, but yeah, I need to also bring home some money. And uh, at your level of comedy, stand up comedy, that's not the case. Well, I mean, I, I I shouldn't say that. I mean, I did, I have made some money off of my comedy, but I just haven't. I don't know. I, I I'm at the stage now where I've kind of I, I want to just retire all of my jokes and start over. I uh, totally get that feeling. Yeah, yeah. and uh, and I haven't spent the time to do it. So then when I get asked to do gigs, it's just like oh, I guess I can do it, but I'm just gonna. I hope no one's there that has seen me before, <laughs> because it's gonna be the same stuff. Yeah. I must say that I was impressed with you because since I was sort of a, a fan of your sisters, I know you get this a lot, but I, I was curious with you, of course, when mm-hmm. when I heard that you were to try out stand-up comedy. But I was really impressed with your sort of natural confidence on stage. Mm. Thank you. You're welcome. That's nice. Yeah, I don't really get nervous in, in much of anything, in, in really any situation. I don't know where, where that comes from, but it certainly helps in that realm. I mean, the crazy thing is, you know, I, I like I said, when you say stand, like I don't really consider myself a stand-up because I do it so infrequently, and I and I, and I really, I mean, I I really respect people who do do it as their life and living, and and I know quite a few stand-ups, especially Americans, and that's such a grind, and it's a really all-day job. So I don't consider myself one but yet last year i mean last year i got i was variety magazines you know top 10 comics to watch in 2014 so i was there performing it in montreal it's just for laughs festival with you know nine other fantastic comedians all of whom were you know we, we i think we had to do 15 minutes each and they were all doing like their best 15 minutes that they've kind of honed and crafted for 
however many years and i was just doing like 15 minutes that was my non-swedish stuff (laughs) the only 15 minutes of jokes that didn't involve like american living in sweden but but at least you had a uh, 15 minutes (laughs) oh i no i kind of did some crowd work as well okay (laughs) i had probably 12 minutes i went fine but it was just it was it was interesting to be in that setting and 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 feel maybe they didn't quite belong <laughs> there but i guess i'm i'm a comic to watch yeah for at least last year maybe this year um, yeah. you can stop watching <laughs> i don't know i mean i i feel part of me feels that i i feel like i'm a good comedian i, I don't I, I feel like i'm rarely great if ever <laughs> partly because i don't have the I think in order to be a great comedian, you have to really need it. Like you need you, you, you need the laughs. There's certain people you can just you see in in life and and on stage that just need it. They need that. To, you know, they'll go anywhere to get that laugh. And I don't I don't have that. <laughs> if they're not laughing, I'm just like, uh, yeah, all right, <laughs> okay, <laughs> good. Yeah. That's it for me, people. Yeah, I uh, I don't know. I, I maybe I'm too well adjusted. I think for a to be a, a great comedian we are at the same age uh, we're both 40 i have like six months ahead of the start of oh, you congratulations how is you. it how is it for you being 40? well it's it's okay but it, and and the days are numbered now i'm i mean in nine days i'm going to be 41 so oh i think you meant <laughs> okay i think you're dying soon well I the days not. our days are numbered yeah uh, yeah, I don't know what number it is though. Forty-one, perhaps. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just take it one year at a time. No, yeah, I'm having a bit of a. Are you having any sort of like midlife crisis? Or well, I'm googling Rolexes far too much. <laughs> that's that's the extent of your crisis. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm having. I'm I'm trying to run the marathon. It's always been kind of a. For the last like twenty years, I've been telling people I'm going to run one marathon when I turn forty, and now it's here. And as soon as I turned forty, I got you know twenty emails and texts like, "Here we go, there it is, marathon year." So it, um, it's I'm signed up at least for the Stockholm marathon. So I'm training now while shooting my show. Is that why you ran here? <laughs> I did not run here, but no, no but you came walking. In a... Yeah, there was no parking spot, so I had to go park oh, okay. on the right. corner. Okay. <laughs> that'd be funny if i'd read so yeah i have some creaky 40 year old knees that are acting up but hopefully i'll cross that finish line it's just uh, 42 kilometers right mm. yeah yeah <clears throat> at all at once apparently you can't stop well or maybe you can i don't know I, the, i'm the not rules. sure but uh, I mean, how do you feel i mean you, you're when you you're changing careers what, what were you doing before i wasn't advertising mm. I, I realized that i and needed to be more uh, in center of attention. Yeah, I actually provoked people by saying that I, I, it's, it's time for me to get famous now. Uh-huh. And That's a good goal to start with. That <laughs> I, it's, that's like my kids' goal. You know, I've ever watched like all these n- kid shows these days. Nicola's just like, I just want to be famous. Yeah, <laughs> it's like there's just a bunch of kids that are famous, and as this the plot for all of these. I know, and someone so. talked about that the other day. That uh, I was hearing and listening to a podcast, I think, and and uh, that the the old Andy Warhol quote about mm. everybody you, being famous yeah. for 15 minutes in the future. That that's I mean we've passed that, and in their minds, everybody are famous now because yeah. they sort of have Instagram and they have yeah. 
Twitter and they, their opinions matter super much to them. Mm. So nobody thinks that, wh why should you spend like 10,000 hours learning something yeah. when I'm already a superstar? Yeah. I think also the, the, just the fact that everyone's on screen all the time. Mm. And I know with my kids, they're not overly impressed when I'm on television no because they can be on it as well if they just set the camera up right <laughs> or if they're calling their grandparents you know they see themselves on the screen so uh, i think it's lost a bit of its magic to that generation but i don't know i mean for me it's i, I i'm petrified uh, i mean changing careers this late in life was like probably the scariest thing i've done it's still scary for me i still feel i feel like i'm working much harder at this job than I did at my old job because I'm, I mean, I have kind of everything on the line. I, I, you know, I don't think I can go back. Why? Going back would just, it would just be like, it's just that feeling of failure. Yeah. But, but you do have the education and so forth. Yeah. So, so I know, but it's just, I don't know. There's something about going back that Would just be supremely depressing. Is there some part of you that that regrets that is regretful about changing career or taking the step? No, no, not at all. I just am scared in the sense. I mean, as a lawyer, you know, it's pretty safe career in the sense you know exactly where it's going to go, and you can you know you can kind of map out your next forty years. Were you a partner at the? Firm? No, I was uh, no. I mean, I was in New York for six years, so I didn't quite. Usually, around the eighth or ninth years, when you okay, become a partner. And then here, I was just working with a bunch of American lawyers, who married Swedes. Yeah, and that wasn't because you didn't. You did something else, right, in Sweden. You didn't do. You weren't in court. No, no, yeah. I mean, you kind of can't you, to do a you pretty much have to go back and do the whole Swedish law thing if you wanted to go go that route which I couldn't do. So in in some ways it was it was easier the move to Sweden was kind of like a middle step away from my old career. So I I don't think I would have even dared to do it if it was if we were in uh, in the states. But this kind of it was the first step towards a new life anyway and you know might as well go all the way. But I'm super scared. I mean I I still especially because in this business I mean once the Like I said, you can't map out. I don't know what's you know if if this show ends, if this is the final season, then it's it's like it's scary. I mean, I'm writing a movie and 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 developing another show, but don't know if that's going to happen. I mean, it could be a period of total nothingness. You said that you wouldn't have dared to try in in the U.S., but would you have? Could you have done it in New York? No. Well, it's just, it would have been too much to give up, I think, too, in terms of the job. You know, it was making so much money there that I, I think it would have been impossible to come home to my wife and say, I want to do comedy. That money, you didn't obviously stuff it in the mattress. No, that's the money that's on my bed. Okay. Uh, that I'm yeah. Around. <laughs> yeah. No. So, I mean, yeah, I, that was kind of, I don't know. I, I would like, like to think that I would have, but it's also... I think the opportunity there, there's so many people doing that there. It just feels like you'd be one in a million. Literally. Yeah. yeah. So the prospect of that never really appealed to me, of like starting from the bottom. And I think if I had done the same thing in the U.S., if I had written the same show, if, I, you know, if, I, if we were living in New York and I wrote Welcome to Sweden and 
and pitched it to someone in LA. I think maybe they would have bought it, but they wouldn't have let me play the role, I don't think, or be involved in the show at all. <laughs> Just, uh, you know, paid me for it and yeah. moved on with some other more famous actor. So it, it was great. I mean, I, I, to go the Hollywood route through Sweden, this, this is really the only place that it could have happened for me, I think. Let's go take it, it back to the beginning and we'll get to okay. the present in, in a way. <coughs> Excuse me. You were born in Boston. Yeah, basically. M- Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Super hard to pronounce. Yeah, I know. I like the way you did it, though. It was good. Have you been practicing? A little bit. <laughs> it was good. Was it even perfect? It was perfect, yeah. Okay, thank you. Yeah. And that was a little bit more than 40 years ago. I've been told. I don't remember that exact moment, but yes. What, what do you know about your birth? About the actual day of it? Well, yeah. Not much. I mean, I know m- my mom always talks about that in those days, they literally knocked the woman out. <laughs> like they gave them some sort of crazy drug cocktail. Okay. So they were passed out uh-huh. when, the, when, the, when the babies came out, which is fascinating. Yeah, that's really fascinating. <laughs> How it was could... a 70s <laughs> trend. No pain, but you well, don't remember it. Okay, it wasn't a no, no, no. It was, it was a natural birth, but I, I mean, I'm sure they were. She was conscious, but doesn't remember anything. It was in okay. some sort of like fog. Was your dad in there? I would assume so, but okay. I'm not sure in the room. Okay, yeah, it's interesting. I actually don't know much about my birthday. Next time you're on the show, I want to know more. Full, yeah, yeah, let's just just talk about that. Yeah, but I came the, out totally naked. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'm prepared. <laughs> yeah. And your parents were, or perhaps even are, teachers? Yeah, they were. My mom was a teacher until she retired. My dad was a teacher for the first, like, ten years of my life. And then he uh, started doing different kind of sales things. But they're both retired. Now. Okay. Mm-hmm. Living still in Massachusetts. Yes. Look at you. You nailed it again. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. They, they live in, in uh, the same house, actually, that we grew up in. Okay. I've lived in the same house. They've been in the same house my whole life. The town isn't Boston. It's no, it's Burlington. Okay. Yeah. What can you tell me about that place? It's a you know suburb about 20 minutes outside of Boston. Very, I would say, low middle class. I think a typical American suburb in many ways. Very self-sufficient. You know, it has like, like really like lots of business and restaurants there. So people just tend to stay there. And not venture into the city even very much. And Boston, what? What? I haven't been there. What? What kind of place is that? I know that there are <clears throat> loads of Irish cops there. Yeah, it's Boston's a mix of the cultural elite from these you know universities with the old school Irish Catholic hard nose crowd. So it's it's an interesting place in that sense. I don't think I quite ever fit in there. I would say with that mentality, even though I, I, I am. I did. I am Irish, and uh, well, my grandparents, and uh, and grew up Catholic. So I guess I did. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. But it's like it's Boston has an attitude of kind of like you know you think you're better than me. Like that's, and you know, a lot of fights, unnecessary fights. I would say like if you're just walking in a bar and like bump into someone, you know, like hey, what, what, you know, and challenge to a fight five seconds later outside. So it was like that for you as well. Huh? That you know, sounds like Sweden. In- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. 
I mean, there was, I was always really good at talking my way out of fights. I think that, that's, that's how I developed a lot of maybe my, my comedy. It's in those, those scary moments when somebody's challenging you to a fight on your way out to the door. You can try to turn them with a joke or two. And there's a Boston dialect as well. Yes. The, I had the Boston accent. Yeah. I, st- it's, I still have it every now and then. It, it, when I'm watching the dailies of my, of my show... There are times when I hear it, it, it's, it sneaks in. How is that? What does uh, it sound like? Any time there's an R, you just don't really pronounce it. Like hard instead of hard. Oh, okay. So I have a hard on. I have a hard on. Yeah? Yeah. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh, I do, that's why I said it. <laughs> okay, yeah. yeah. Boston And, accents make me... <laughs> <laughs> And, and what, what was your upbringing like? Who were you? I was uh I actually have thought a lot about this in since when I made after I made the career change cuz I've never actually been in therapy I've never seen a therapist I've never t- talked too much about my upbringing or myself so I've never really had to examine who I was but for me very early on I I I had I I peaked as a person in terms of intelligence and status really early like I, i was reading at two years old at a really like intense level where my one of my my earliest memories my parents brought in these people to like test me for like genius stuff okay they, they didn't quite know what to do with this kid who could do all this stuff at, at two years old so i used to have all these people coming into the house and, and giving me stuff like I, i can remember that extremely vividly But and you, so I started school early at like four. You were like two years younger than your yeah, parents. Yeah, a year, a year plus. Okay. And uh, same thing. I remember the first day of like, kindergarten. You know, the teacher forcing me up there to read a, a book, "Where the Wild Things Are," in front of the other kids. This is kind of like check out this dude. Mm-hmm. And like I said, that, that, that I kind of peaked then. I think <laughs> it's been a steady decline. But so I, I kind of always felt that pressure i think of people expecting me to be like the smart kid and not necessarily what others labeled maybe what i labeled myself uh, because of that and it's not actually a healthy thing to 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 have that from a very early on like oh i'm special <laughs> that feeling it can do some damage i think in what way i mean it's good for your self-confidence but i think it's You know, if I'm looking back on on how I was, I think there was a lot of people from that time that I went to school with that would be like, "Oh my God, I could not stand that guy," because <laughs> I thought I was uh, I thought I was better than than them. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> enough people tell you it, you start to believe it yourself, and I think it it also kind of made me lazy because it, it, school came very easy to me at a young age, and I, it just seemed like it was going to be a, a breeze, and I didn't have to work at it. And then once the rest of everybody else caught up to me, I didn't have any work ethic whatsoever. So I really had to restart that almost at, at like 16, where I uh, finally started actually studying. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Prior to that, it was all just easy. Okay. And you had like straight days up until then? Yeah, or? pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so I think like that was kind of my role, I think, in the family. I think my sister was allowed to be a more, little bit more... She did well in school as well so it wasn't she was a bad student but i always kind of felt that pressure like you know she's gonna do whatever but you have to do something with this and i think with with you know a lower middle class family it's it's very 
important, like the job, you know, thing is, you know, get a good job, make a lot of money, provide for your family. And, and if you're, if you're good in school, everybody is pushing you like, you know, you have to don't waste this, you know, use it, find a job where being good at school Mm. (laughs) applies. And, um, so in many ways it kind of felt mapped out for me, I think in that sense. I kind of knew I, I wanted to go the law school route fairly early on, even in high school. Why? Why? Uh, how, how did you get that idea? Well, I think, you know, I was just looking for, like I said, you know, it's, it's kind of a, it's an institutional kind of thing. If you, if you do well in school, you get into a good law school, you get a good job as a lawyer, you make a lot of money, you become a partner. You can, I can see it. It's, mm. it's one of those things where, you know, your, your ability in school can, can get you there. Yeah. But so and that's what I was interested in. I mean, you could have become a medical doctor as well. Yeah, I'm not not really into cutting people, helping people. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, uh no, no, never interesting. I'm not a science guy at all. Okay. So. But a money guy. Not so much money. I mean, it was more just it just seemed like a a way, an easy way, or not an easy way, but a, but a, a secure way to um to get where I want where I wanted to be. But in in high school and so forth, you weren't but you weren't a nerd, right? You were No. Well, <laughs> I shouldn't say that. I guess you know. You, no, I wouldn't say that. No, I was. I, I was. Uh, was also really good at sports, which helped socially. So I was, I was a really good basketball player, tennis player. But you were fairly short. Yeah, thank you for that. But you were good in basket anyway. Yeah, my father was also shorter, and he was a fantastic basketball player in, in okay. college. So that rubbed off a bit. Yeah, all right. I mean, it was it, it was a you know white suburban league, so it's you know you don't have to be too tall to, okay. <laughs> to play there. Yeah. Boston feels like a baseball place to me. Yeah. for some reason it is. Okay. Yeah. Were you good at that as well? I was a good baseball player. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds very. Uh, now, now I'm reverting back into my. <laughs> but yeah, I was, I'm. I'm. I'm good. Any sport with a ball, I think I, I'm. I'm pretty. I got good hand-eye coordination. So yeah, I did that, and and I. I, th- I think you know when high school came around, I was kind of rebelling a bit uh, against what I was earlier on in in life. So I was. I got into a lot of trouble in 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 high school. Okay. For smoking weed, no, there was no weed in in our high school. We we missed it. How come? Just drinking. That sounds strange. I know. It was. Uh, let's see. It's like late eighties, early nineties, and it was just a dry period uh, in, okay. in, in the town. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. There was there was there was weed before us and after us, but okay. no, oh, we were there. Strange. College is when I really started to get into that. All right, we were at <laughs> who you were in in school. So. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I I don't know I I don't know if I would recognize that kid anymore <laughs> in some ways, but I was yeah so I was kind of all over the place in terms of I did well in school but was kind of hanging with you know a slightly more rebellious crowd drinking a lot in the in the woods, getting chased by policemen sometimes getting caught, even that yeah okay I had some yeah some run-ins with the local. <laughs> Law enforcement. I mean, that's what at that time, at least, you know, the, that's what the Boston suburbs were. Was you know, kids who got chased by the policemen became the policemen, and mm-hmm. chased and chased the chasers became the chasees, or vice versa. And that's what the only 
crime in, in the town was underage drinking, you know, so the entire force was just involved in trying to find kids in the woods. Did you get like a fine for that or something like that? Yeah, well, I had to, well, yeah, I mean, I got caught a couple of times. I had to go to these like classes instead of, I could have gone to court, but instead they had this like, almost like drug and alcohol treatment stuff that all the, it was just a bunch of teenagers who got caught in the woods. Okay. <laughs> sitting around being forced to watch videos and talk about their lives. And that's when you decided to be a lawyer. That's what I said. Yeah, I could make some money off of people like myself. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You said that you were good in sports, but that wasn't like. Was that a passion of you? Yeah, I mean, I, there was a time. There was times. I mean, I, 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 I wasted so much time on on basketball in particular. It just drives me crazy when I think back on it. You know, the amount of hours. I mean, I still. I, mean, I can. I still can shoot, and you know, but it's a skill that otherwise <laughs> doesn't come in handy. Very often. No. Um, I play a lot of tennis now with my wife, who's a good player, so uh, that still kind of works. But On your tennis court in the garden. <laughs> yes. Our gold, of your, gold tennis court. Of your mansion, <laughs> yeah. But you, you, you do live in, like, Dandryd or something, some posh neighborhood, right? Yeah. Stocksund. Yeah. You see. I know you really want me to be filthy rich for the purposes of this I'm not sure why, but <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we do all right. I mean, it's, it's my wife's neighborhood that she grew up in, actually. Okay, a few houses down from where she grew up, which is kind of weird for her. Yeah, for her. Yeah, yeah. not for me. It's, it's all new to me. Yeah. Well, not now. You moved here in '96 <clears throat> or something. No, no, no. Two thousand six. Two thousand six. Yeah. Uh, you moved here in two thousand six. <laughs> Yeah, but we lived in the city for the first five years. Mm. So we moved uh, three years ago to a house. I was sort of stalking you before you started doing comedy. Really? Yeah. Is that why I'm here right now? Mm, well, no. <laughs> what do you mean by that? No, but, you know, it started... The rumor was sort of out because we... Uh, I'm, I'm not sure which forum that was in it, but when we sort of... Now, uh, anyway, I'm uh, on a Facebook group called Comedy Nerds or something like that. Mm -hmm. And there was a rumor about Amy Poehler's brother living in Sweden. And, <laughs> and you were sort of in the, in the phone book or something like that. So you, it was actually possible to Google you, mm -hmm. but it stopped at that. I think, <laughs> so if, you, if you had any like... Well, syringes in the mailbox or so, <laughs> that, that wasn't you? me. No. Okay. That's kind of a soft stock then. Well, it was, yeah. yeah. It was uh, all Google. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for admitting that. That's very, that's very kind. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I am an honest dude. But anyway, what were your dreams growing up? Did you dream of being a Manhattan lawyer? <sighs> oh, I, I, don't, I don't really... Well, I mean, I think that's what this whole career change has kind of shown me is that I really didn't spend much time actually um, thinking about what I wanted to do. It was more what was expected of me in many ways. So I kind of followed that path and was on that path and probably would have been on that path for the rest of my life um, if it weren't for moving here, actually, to Sweden, which kind of gave me a step away from that life anyway. And then actually the whole 
thing changed. I mean, when I, when I decided to do stand up, it was something that I always wanted to do actually forever. Because I, you, you were a comedy fan. Yeah. Huge. Growing up. Huge. I mean, especially stand up. I, I was, I was uh, really into it. Did you have a uh, stand up comedy like televised stand up comedy when you grew up? Or was it like Yeah, well I, I, I used to I still maintain whenever anybody asks about my sister and I, um about, you know, were you guys a funny family or were your parents funny? I think for both of us, I think uh, the vast majority of our comedic sensibility comes from the fact that our parents let us have televisions in our bedroom and didn't monitor when we were <laughs> we were watching it. So we watched everything growing up. And I used to watch Johnny Carson show, The Tonight Show. It starts at 11.30 at night, by the way. Mm. I watched it almost every night. My, my, I would have the TV on, my parents would come in, I would pretend like I was asleep. They would shut it off, and they'd go to their bedroom. I'd wait a few seconds and then turn it back on. Mm. And I always watched his monologue, at least, before I went to bed. So this is, again, I was probably getting like five hours sleep <laughs> during my middle school and high school days. That's why you're so short. <laughs> no, I'm not so short. You're no, just very tall. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, well, thank you. Yeah, yeah. You were average, I would say. I'm average. Yeah, yeah. One seventy-nine. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Can you guess my weight as well? Or seventy. Wow. You're way off on that. What is it? It's more closer to like eighty-five or something. Uh huh. Okay. But thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you have a fat back. That's <laughs> right. Melt on my ankles. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it all it all changed when I decided to do stand up, and even that I was expecting just to be like a, something I did on the side for fun. The first time you you went up on stage, you still were working at the law firm here yeah. in Stockholm. Yeah. Did you have a plan about? Welcome to Sweden. I mean, the no, show. No, 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 not at all. Well, I, again, similar to the stand-up thing, it, it, it was always something that I had been thinking about, but had never planned on doing anything about. So I, I had a friend, actually, an American friend, who I told, I said I wanted to maybe do some stand-up. And, uh, but actually, to go back a little further, when I made the decision to, to finally do stand-up is when Aziz Ansari came here to Stockholm. And we went out for lunch, He asked me whether I had ever gotten into comedy, and I told him this story, which is true, which when, when my sister was in graduated college, she moved to Chicago and went to Improv Olympic in Second City. Yeah. And I was planning on jo joining her comedy troupe. Yeah, we went to the same college, Boston College. It's called My Mother's Fleabag. It's like a improv group. And I was going to try out for that. But first, in the summer, I went to visit her in Chicago. And uh, the shows that I saw there were so amazingly good that I literally went home. I was like, I'm never going to be anywhere near that. And those people are nobodies, you know, they're, they're all working as waiters and waitresses. So what's the point? You know, I, I can't even get to that level, <laughs> which is nowhere. And it turns out, I mean, all those people went on to, I mean, it was Amy and Tina Fey and Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert, Horatio Sands, Dave Koechner. That was, those are the people I was watching. Yeah, I mean, if if you would have told me the time, and no, no, these are the these are the best in yeah. the world at it. I probably would have would have tried out. So I was telling Aziz that story, and he said to me, "Oh, really? I have the opposite story. You know, the first time I saw 
someone doing stand-up, I was like, I could at least be as good as that. Like, <laughs> and when he said that, I was, th- I was thinking, you know, I was thinking kind of the same thing last night when some of your opening acts were, were, were going on. I had that same thought. When they, when they were performing, saying, like, I, I, I'm pretty sure I could be at least at that level. Yeah. Um, and so that, was, that kind of started in motion. I was like, I'm going to do that someday. And then I told my friend, and he went to this, you know, Big Ben, this place here in Stockholm. And I, I thought he was trying to get me on for, like, the following week. And, in fact, he was. But instead, he, he went to uh, Thomas and said, hey, my friend's in town. I think he said he was in town, an American comic on vacation or something. So he, comes, he came back and said, yeah, uh, you're on in 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. So I didn't even have, I had like an hour to prepare, but I, I'd always had it in my head. So it was more just a matter of finally someone give me a microphone. I think I saw that gig. I'm, I'm not sure why, but I must have been there. Uh, I, well, this was at the time. Mm-hmm. You did good, right? Yeah, it went really well. I mean, really well for a first time, Yeah, I would say. You know, probably, if you look back on it now, okay for <laughs> for anyone else. Did you have a set list even or something? What do you mean, like written down? Yeah. No, I mean, I didn't have time for that. But I had, like I said, I, I, I'd had it, I had jokes in my head that I'd always, in case anyone ever handed me a microphone on a stage. <laughs> it's It's... And that's the for me that this whole career change and journey the the, the most amazing thing about it is it really wasn't a hundred percent or even fifty percent of my own doing. It was more like someone was like, "Here, here's a microphone, and get get up there," and kind of got pushed up on stage. And the same thing with with the show. I mean, what happened? That got filmed. I think the Big Ben performance. And then someone in San Diego, a friend of a friend of mine, saw it, and he was he had just built a comedy club there, and so he booked me to open for Tom Arnold, based on that. So I had only done one, one gig, and then I was I was I got paid for you know opening, for like six or seven shows, with Tom, which is really fun. It was like a total Forrest Gump type moments when I fly out to San Diego and. He's like, how long have you been doing comedy? <laughs> Ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> so then I started doing that for a while. And um, I met uh, Martin Sonnevi, who is a mutual friend of ours. I said to him, I, I have some TV ideas. And he's like, oh, good. I'm, I'm, I, I meet with production companies from time to time. And so I had an idea. It's kind of based, like it was like, like this, actually. I wanted to do a, a kind of a talk show with uh, American and Swedish comedians and show clips of their stand-up interspersed with uh, an interview okay called mm-hmm. you you talk funny that was my idea and he said i don't know uh, I, don't, I, don't, i don't like that idea at all <laughs> and so i said well i have this other idea this show welcome to sweden about my life with an american that comes to sweden and he liked that idea better and asked me you know how far in the script i wasn't i actually hadn't written it but i I'd thought about it a lot. <laughs> so I went home and wrote that script, again, based on really his... Well, you know, it's one, it's one thing to, to have an idea, but then we kind of need somebody else sometimes to say not only uh, that they think it's a good idea, but also that they think you can do it. He was that person for me, actually, in that sense. Because also, I, when I pitched it to him, I was saying, and we you know, I thought maybe we could get an American actor to come over and play the role and he's like you should you should do it you know it's gonna be too expensive <laughs> for the production company if they think they have to hire an american actor who did you have in mind 
Well, I was thinking of Ben Schwartz, you know, the guy who plays John Ralphio in Parks and Rec. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, I'm a big fan of yeah. his in general, and, and, and uh, that, that was what I had in mind when I was thinking of, a, of an actor. So that's what was funny. I mean, so I, when I wrote the script, I still was expecting probably that I wouldn't get... First of all, I didn't know if anybody would read it or like it, but I certainly didn't think that I would get to play it having no experience whatsoever as an actor you do this like in your lunch break or yeah, yeah. i wrote the, the script on a saturday okay yeah up in my attic all right so so, so you did it in one day yeah okay. i did it in like four hours did this actually end up in your show yeah okay it was almost uh, i mean you know obviously we we changed a lot of it around but it was pretty much the pilot episode of of the show and and it and it's it was straight from my own life I and mean, when i first came to sweden i came straight from the airplane to my now wife's family summer house mm. met her whole family and drank a lot of aquavit and sang songs and took saunas and things like that so it was you know loosely based on that and uh yeah it was again it was kind of in that attic on that day not only did i write that script but i also wrote what i wanted the show to be how i envisioned it and i said it was a show we could we could get a ton of american cameos we'll sell it in the u.s and we'll sell it in sweden it'll be, it'll be the first show that's on in both places like i i was just kind of fucking around really with, Dr- with dreaming with, big yeah best case scenario yeah and by the and way it all happened and by, <laughs> and by the way why not do that yeah i think that's that's i mean that's certainly a lesson to be taken from that is is you know oftentimes you limit yourself of um, course what you think is possible yeah you should always should always be at least starting with the best case scenario exactly <laughs> and i think if you don't call it that too i think i think a lot of times people say like oh best case scenario and then so that means almost something that can't happen if it, that's the best case instead if you just say like this is you know goals which is what i kind of wrote there is this this is what i think can happen yeah if everything goes right and it did yeah it was it was crazy and then when i met with felix herngren before that meeting i was so prepared to defend i wanted to at least be able to audition for the role of bruce at that point because i was really into the script and the character And so I was kind of practicing, like I was up, like coming up with my list of five reasons why I, someone with no experience, can still, you know, be the lead actor in this show, expecting that to be the biggest hurdle in this meeting. Mm. Instead, he came in and said, "Hey, I read the script. Uh, you know, I really, really like it. Um, I just had a couple of questions. Like, when you move, it, it's going to be you, right? You're, you're, you're going to be playing Bruce." And I was mm. like, "Uh, yeah." And that was it. That was the only. <laughs> discussion oh, okay. we had. It turns out later I learned from people that they we filmed auditions for the role of Emma and those were actually my auditions. So they told me after the fact that they were actually filming me. Uh-huh, okay. Uh, but I didn't know that. I thought I'd already had had the role at that point. Uh-huh, okay. Cool. Yeah, it's well, it's wild. That that, that story is uh, I mean, I I can't imagine it ever have happened almost in any country that Someone with no experience at all, not only writes a show and stars in it, but also like a produced it and showrunner and you know head writer. It's weird. But you, you've changed the uh, production company as well. Yeah, along the I mean way. that was more. I think when you are as invested in a show as as I am in all aspects of it, what you want is the feeling that other people are as well, and when you see people who who um, aren't 
you know, giving it their full attention. That can be frustrating. But I think in general, I mean, there wasn't really any sort of, I mean, I, I know that there's been talk like that there was some sort of huge riff between it, but there was not, none of that. I mean, uh, it was a pretty amicable split. We just wanted more. Last year, we had kind of shared creative control, and that's tricky. I had final say, but didn't often use it until it was maybe too late. So we wanted to structure this season a little bit with more control. And when you say we, that's that's my sister and I. Okay, yeah. So we 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 found uh, we're not we're working with Yurovsky, which is a little bit better fit for us. Okay. Cool. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Before we leave your upbringing totally, I, mm-hmm. I just have to talk a little bit about your middle name. Is it Milmore? Yes. It's a fantastic name. Really? I, that's the first person Mil- that's ever said that. <laughs> well, I, I've never heard it before. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Yeah, it's my mother's uh, maiden name. Okay. But, and That's her last name. And polar. Up. I mean, that doesn't sound very Irish. That sounds German to me. It is German, but it's my father's uh, stepfather's name. Okay, so it's not actually blood relations to us. So your ancestry is hundred percent. No, Irish. it's mixed. You know, like all Americans, is you know, all sorts of crazy stuff going there. But Port- no Swiss. Portuguese, Dutch, Irish, English, a few other things. Is that your natural color of hair? No, no. I mean, close, I think. But yeah, I I get it dyed for the show. Why is that? Because Bruce gray. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah. Are you that old? I'm that old. Yeah. Oh. I got. I have like one spot. I have like a like a like a Jay Leno spot. Okay. That doesn't look good in high def cameras. Aha. Uh-huh, right. <laughs> all right. Yeah. What can you tell me about the, the second season? What what is new? Well, it's a new season. I mean, we're 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 winter instead of summer, so it definitely looks different. Depressing, or no? We're trying to make it um, as non-depressing as possible. That's Sh- shooting <laughs> shooting during that one hour when the 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 sun hits the snow in the perfect light. Yeah, uh, that one hour a month. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm excited about. It. I mean, obviously, I, you know, when when you. I'm always fascinated when someone says like, so how, you know, how, how do you, how do you think the show's going? Because, you know, I, first of all, I think about the show all day long for months and then, you know, we write the show for months all day long and then we shoot it 
and then I come home and I'm, I'm watching the dailies and then I'm, you know, I'm editing it. And like, if at the end of that process, if I was like, yeah, it's not so good, you know, like it's, <laughs> I, I'm, of course, I think it's good, uh, you know, I, I, otherwise I would have changed it <laughs> by now. So, but then again, you're so close to it that it's impossible to be objective but, by, but, by that point. When you talk about film, movies, I mean, there's so much people in production that it's actually a miracle that it doesn't uh, not every movie is a fuck up i yeah. mean with with the investors and stuff yeah i guess it's the, even though you are i mean you're the showrunner as you you say but still there's so many many other factors that can fuck stuff up yeah but i do think the the job of the showrunner is to is to try to prevent that from happening and to try to take in all of those voices and 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 hopefully make them add to it not detract or subtract from from the, from the show. I think I've done a much better job of that this year. Last year I had no idea what I was doing in any phase. <laughs> so we've kind of streamlined that a bit. Like last year there was a lot more of um input coming from the American and Swedish producers and then oftentimes those were competing notes. So we've kind of gotten everybody more on the same page I think this year. But I think in general, I mean last year We structured it very differently. I'm not sure if anyone ever picked up on this, but the show, the 10 episodes, really never involved any other characters, unlike almost every sitcom nowadays, which has an A, B, and C plot. Our episodes last year, we just had like basically Bruce and Bruce and Emma plots the whole time. There was one storyline that didn't involve them. And that's when Bruce went back to New York so that we had to fill the time. And that was a choice we made. It was to make it really only about the two of them and make that season be all about their relationship and his whether he's staying or not. I think season two now we we've we've that's done. That story is done. I think now it's 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 structured at least in a more traditional way where we're utilizing the, the other characters and giving them their own storylines. What mistakes did you do that you're not gonna repeat on this season? I mean, I th- you know, I think any first season is kind of a feeling out process. I think if you, I have talked to a lot of other showrunners, and they all say that same thing. It's like it's a miracle if you get to if you get to the second season. That's a miracle in, in in and of itself. And then you'll look back on the first season and be like, "Holy crap, was that off?" I'm not at that stage. I don't think. I mean, I'm super proud of the first season. I think uh, we did everything almost that we wanted to do. Of course, now that I look back on each episode, all I see is the things that I would do differently. So I think the way it's shot, we're changing up a bit. We, we've gone to more moving cameras, moving pictures, rather than kind of the classic stationary camera. So I think it's going to look a lot different, season two, in terms of the movement of the show. But otherwise, it's yeah. I think we're kind of following the same formula. It's basically the same same group back mm. together, and we changed just one writer really. And Josephine couldn't do it because she was pregnant. So otherwise, it's the same same group back again. But she's back working, of course. And yeah. And how old is her child? Uh, I think he is five months. Okay. Cool. Yeah, he's around. Yeah, all right. Set. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. We're seeing a lot of him these days. Yeah, yeah, but that's great. I mean, there should be a baby on every workplace. <clears throat> yeah, it's good for the sound sound people. Yeah. They they really they really <laughs> <laughs> They're impressed. 
I'm still not done with your time in the US, really. But Go for it. Yeah, because you have like a field of expertise in law. What 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 is that? Um, yeah, I was an intellectual property lawyer, which is like uh, trademarks, copyrights, and patents. But did you spend time in in court ever? Yeah, I was a I was a uh, litigator. So that's I just worked on that like cases, basically trademark <laughs> cases mainly. What was your biggest case? Apple versus. <laughs> well, I had a lot of big cases, but um, I remember my first case was was uh, suing Muhammad Ali. Uh-huh. <laughs> Somebody, I forget, I forget the specifics of the case, but I remember it was somebody was wanted to sell one of his his uh, robes that he wore during one of his fights and there was a dispute over who owned what did you win we settled okay now yeah, most cases end with settling all right i can remember walking into the party's office and I'd be like oh here's your first case <laughs> it's like you against the most beloved <laughs> american icon that you can think of yeah so that was a good way to start but no, I liked uh, th- those cases actually were, as far as litigating goes, trademark and copyright cases tend to be matters that really just need to be figured out, like re- real disputes that both sides are kind of feel that they're right, which is unusual, I think, in, in the law. I think a lot of times, especially in litigation, you, you have a clear kind of good guy, bad guy, and you have to choose one or the other. And generally, the bad guys are the ones that are paying a lot more. But in that uh, in that field, it's it's... It's usually just two companies that really need to figure it out. How did you end up being an expert in that? Just I took uh, classes in in law school and really liked. Actually, trademark was my favorite class in law school. And so when I was looking for firms, I was looking for firms that specialized in that. When I was doing my internship, and then from there, yeah, that that was the firm that I was at. It was just that. Can you use your knowledge in this, in your new career in any way? A little bit in the sense of, you know, registering certain trademarks for the show and things like that. I do that myself. Yeah. I think I'm a little bit more aware of when we're shooting, you know, when there's products on the table, make sure that it's not facing (laughs) the camera. If they don't pay? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. if we don't pay. All right. One or the other. Okay. I think I'm more aware of that than than Swedes are, but no. But otherwise, no. There's no there's no real crossover. Other than I will say, litigating in general, I think really helps my stand up career, just in the sense that arguing in front of a judge, and there's somebody else there that is trying to literally stop you from you know by objecting. Mm. The the pressure and tension there is so high and it's so nerve wracking that when I'm up on stage. Unless someone's heckling, it's you know, it's it feels like a much safer environment in many ways. But heckling doesn't really happen in Sweden, right? Does exactly. It? So in that sense, if, like uh, in terms of nerves, I can always be like, well, at least no one's going to yell out objection to one of my jokes. No, <laughs> <laughs> objection, but, not funny. But <laughs> if 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 you are to heckle Greg Poehler, that's how you do it. <laughs> that's that's, uh, yeah, that's the blueprint. Yeah. That's actually really funny heckle now that I think about it. In <laughs> yeah. general. Yeah. <laughs> you should try that. <laughs> College in the US, you have to pay for that in some way. Yeah. I guess. How yeah. did you do that? Well, I got a scholarship for so that was about half of it. Why? Just like an academic scholarship. Oh, okay. I give it to people who I don't know, qualify for it. 
And then uh, my parents paid the other half. Yeah. yeah. They pay for both of us to go through. So you don't have CSN or some equivalent? For loans, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, totally. I mean, I had to do that for law school. Okay. I, I, law school, I took out loans myself. Did you get education in Sweden as well? <clears throat> yeah, I, I, when I moved here, I, I, I uh, got my master's at Stockholm University for European intellectual property law. Okay. So you could actually do some of that stuff here as well? Maybe. I guess in theory, but... I haven't done much of it. No. And that's behind you now. <laughs> I guess. I mean, I guess that's my fallback. Yeah. That's my that's my worst case scenario, I think. I know that you're settled here now. And as we said, you have three children. But is there a plan to ever go back to the US? Well, uh, the, our plan has always been once the kids go off to college, which we're assuming would be in the US, that we would kind of follow. Unfortunately, we keep having more kids, so that that keeps getting longer and longer. But is there even more coming? No, but I mean, our daughter's two, so that yeah. that's now not sixteen years from now. Yeah. Whereas my son is ten, so it would have been eight years if we had if we had stopped. Yeah. I don't know. We 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 bought a house in Florida with my uh, my my parents actually. Okay. So they're there now, and uh, we so we go back quite a bit there into Boston, and I'm back, I'm to LA, I'm in LA quite a bit now. So it feels like we're kind of straddling both countries. Or in LA for work reasons. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. Your show was picked up by NBC, right? Yeah, and that's a fantastic thing for Swedish, and then that must be like that's never happened. Yeah, before. I think it's the first ever European show. I think on a American. Uh, major network yeah. i think i don't want to be I'm sure somebody's going to double check that and call well, me a liar but i think it's true yeah because even like the uh the british shows you know growing up like monty python and those types of stuff and even like the you know the office they either remake or it's it's on pbs or cable or something so okay so it couldn't have happened in a better way or Yeah, and I mean, also with the subtitles too. I think it's it's definitely the first show with subtitles on American Major Network. Yeah, it was crazy. I mean, <clears throat> like I said, it was always part of my plan was to try to sell it to the U.S. And we had had some interest from Netflix early on, actually, an offer from them when we were making it. So we knew when we were making the show that it was going to at least be there and have an, an, a U.S. Um, audience. And then I was always thinking of a smaller cable network, actually. FX or. Not even that. I was thinking more uh, like smaller, smaller. Okay. <laughs> One of those obscure channels at the end of the cable box. And then when NBC became interested, it was, uh, yeah, it was I mean, total dream come true. It was crazy. And and for me, it was, I mean, they, they basically signed an, an option with us, whereas you know, they saw the mini pilot that we put together and then, but didn't officially uh, agree to air it until we delivered all the episodes. So they... So that's that was the ultimate validation mm. for me was that they watched all the whole season and then said, "Yeah, like we really like this and we really want it to be on." So, and it did really well. Yeah, it did well there. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, so, I mean, we've got a second season, so yeah, yeah, it's it's great. But aren't you rich now? <laughs> no, now we're back on me uh, instead of my wife. But no. I mean, NBC. It <clears throat> sounds like it's going to be. I mean, since you do everything yourself as, as well. Yeah. It must be a huge 
<laughs> Huge uh, pile of money. Yeah, for that. I guess it's uh, it's it's more about the the non monetary gains. You're so so Swedish now that you can't even discuss money. <laughs> no, it's yeah. I'm I'm doing I'm doing okay. Yeah. You have a fresh T-shirt. It looks new. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It's a very expensive T-shirt. Yeah. Very, yeah. Speaking of which, you've been living here for next year. It's going to be ten years, right? Yeah. How Swedish do you feel? I feel um, I feel very Swedish when I'm in the U.S. and I feel very American when I'm here. I would say I'm somewhere in between, so American or something somewhere. Yeah. Um, but I'm. Gonna become a citizen, I think, soon. I sent in my paperwork finally. Okay. Yeah. What does mean that they say? Yes. I don't know. All right. What the process is. Is that a good thing for you legally? It doesn't really affect me legally. Because uh, if you do it the other way around, it's gonna be you're gonna be double taxed for the rest of your life, and you. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm. I'm I get that anyway. Okay. Yeah. I have to pay in both places. That sucks. Yeah, that's why you're not filthy rich. <laughs> that's why I'm not discussing it. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, well, Sweden taxes are generally high enough that you don't have to pay um, American taxes. But so, in terms of Swedishness, how? I mean, are you a feminist, for instance? I think I, I hope everybody is. Yeah, uh, that word. I don't quite they're, understand that people who say they're not. I mean, everybody aren't. I can tell you. Um, yeah, but I mean, it depends on how you phrase the, you know, you know. But if you if you say, "Are you a feminist?" Some people would say no, but then you say, "Well, do you think you know women should be entitled to the same things as men?" And people are like, "Oh yeah, of course." And it's like, okay, that's kind of the definition. Um, exactly. So I think it's just the word maybe that turns people off. It might be. Yeah. Do you bore your American friends with how great our free kindergarten system is as well? <laughs> yeah, of yeah. course. Yeah, I, I paint paint a rosy picture. Yeah, you do, but, but that's that's a big difference, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I will say, like the you know the Swedish taxes are crazy high, but you at least can tangibly see what they're what they're being used for. You know, in terms of you know your your kids' daycare is free and their schooling is free and healthcare and things like that. Whereas if you, in the American system, of course, you get more money back, but then you have to have all these extra things that you're paying. And so if you did the calculations, I bet you it would come out about equal, actually, mm. in terms of, you know, what you're paying for. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. Having it's interesting to see. Yeah, but it also, I mean, I have friends, Swedes living in, in the US, and it always ends up with the woman being at home because it's too yeah. expensive to have children in in mm. kindergarten and so mm. forth and also the what's that called it's called some taxering in swedish i think I, i mean that once you're married that you are taxed together yeah we had that too but we i think we stopped doing that in the 60s or something like that mm. So, in terms of equality, I I would guess that Sweden has has come further. I would guess so. Yeah, I would, yeah, I would assume so. And I think, in general, especially when it comes to like co-parenting, I think this place really figured it out. I mean, I was on paternity leave with all three of my kids, and when I try to describe that to my American friends, they just can't even fat. They don't get it. 
maybe even the concept of staying at home for an extended period of time it's 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 so different there and you were like yeah i, I was home for six months six months yeah not six fired. hours <laughs> yeah yeah so that's that's nice i think that's that's the good thing about living here is is you do feel like you're kind of a little bit more connected f- familially family-wise but but you you've said in the interviews that you sort of miss having friends and is it still like that or do you yeah i mean i th- most of my friends here are americans i have very few swedish friends for whatever reason is it because you're cocky because <laughs> you're, you're a cock <laughs> is it because you're an asshole perhaps <laughs> no i think a lot of it is the english actually yeah i mean i can speak swedish but i'm terrible at it so if i start that way i'll generally tend to by the end of the night be speaking english and forcing somebody else to and i think i think there's something about that that maybe people you don't mind hanging out with me for short periods of time but not not long periods here i can be your friend or it could just be an, I'm an asshole well <laughs> i can be your friend thank you yeah you're It's welcome sweet. if i get some of your bad money <laughs> <laughs> some of it tends to fall off during the night i think you can <laughs> just come by well, you're unique in that way that you have a show that's running both in the u.s and, and sweden in what way would you say that people react differently to it Yeah, it's it's fascinating. I think when you, like the show itself is almost like a sociological experiment to see, you know, what people take away from it. And I think in general, I mean, I I think partly because it was my first show and I was kind of intensely diabolical and figuring out what people were saying. I mean, there's nobody that knows more about what people think of my show than I do. I've I've read everything. Like on everything, every tweet, every blog, every article in both places. And we're on in a bunch of different countries, too. I've even read those articles, Google translated them. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and I think, in general, when it comes to the audience, the audience is pretty consistent in, in all these countries. We tend to have about like 80% people that really like it, 10% that don't really care, 10% that think it's the worst show they've ever seen. Uh-huh, okay. Which is odd to me that that, that, that happens. But I think that's almost as good as you can do for a comedy is batting around 80%. So I'm super happy with it. I think the interesting like if you look at critics in in the US we did really great. I you know the again like 80 something percent of all the reviews there if you go to like Rotten Tomatoes. But they were viewed as like this really low-key subtle charming show. Swedish critics like think that we're way over the top slapstick. <laughs> it's that that's fascinating to me mm-hmm. to see the same show being being perceived so radically different and it's also fascinating in in a way because i think that sweden in, in comparison with for instance germany or so we, we're so brought up with american comedy i mean everything on television is american and everything i mean every everybody knows everybody's seen more american television here than swedish almost Yeah. So it's sort of strange that there is a difference in but maybe it's if it would have been if your show would have been American altogether it might have been perceived differently here. Exactly. Maybe. Yeah. You also said that you are working on a a movie. Yeah. Yeah, I'm writing a movie with uh, Cecilia Forsh. Uh-huh. Forsh. Yeah. Um, Fantastic actress yeah she's great very, it's, it's very, kind very of a reverse it's also. about a uh, 
Swedish actress that moves to LA. She's great. It's called Saga. So I'll hopefully be done with that and pitching it in June when I'm out there. Fantastic. Yeah. Good luck with that. Thanks. I'm developing something else with Ulf Kvensler as well, which is based on a Swedish idea of his that we're going to try to sell in the US as well. Okay. Yeah. Fantastic. It's a good it's a good time now for Swedes in LA it seems. Yeah, Sweden's a hot brand. Yeah, and it's also I mean being in Los Angeles it's sort of every other person that you meet is a Swedish. <laughs> so you can't really t- talk shit about people anymore yeah. behind their backs. Can I ask you because you knew when you decided to write the show and sort of do comedy instead you knew that you would be compared to your sister of course mm. does that sort of piss you off that you still have to sort of um, relate to her mm. in any yeah. given situation i think it's like this um one? it's good and bad i think there's good parts and bad parts of it i mean the the good part of course is i i don't think anybody would have given me the chance actually if it wasn't for that i think i got a lot of benefit of the doubt which like well let's hope <laughs> there's there's something else in that family some level of talent and i think it draws more attention to the show because of that which is good and uh, you know and it's also i, I guess it, it helped her name helped when you sold it to the us and so forth of course of course and her name helped to get the meeting with nbc certainly they, they, they would have never gone by their desk otherwise so yeah i mean it helps help me certainly get my foot in the door and and it's a, and to be known as amy poehler's brother is great i mean you know it's, i'm fine with that that's i love her so it's um it's better than being like charles manson's brother i guess <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wouldn't assume so. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I hear, I hear he's a great guy, his brother. <laughs> But the flip side of that, of course, is like you're saying. You know, like a lot of reviews. Sometimes last year were like, and I think the New York Times review in, in general, which I always think about because it, it was a really great review. Actually, they really liked the show. They liked the characters. But they were like, uh, but you know, he's the weak link, you know, and he's not as good as his sister, and a couple like that. And it's like, oh, man, I'm, I hope I'm not as good as she is. That would be, imagine how badly that would speak of her, someone who's been doing it for twenty something years, to have her brother just <laughs> on his first try <laughs> be better. Yeah. I think there's no other job where, where someone would expect you to be as good as someone who's been doing it for twenty years. And so I think that those comparisons are a little unfair for for that reason, just for experience reasons, and also because my character is more of the straight guy in the in the show uh, as well. So it's not I'm not trying to be overtly comical in my role. So yeah, and and also you know a little bit of a chip on my shoulder, like which maybe you sensed when when, it, when that last question, when the NBC question, because you know I do sense that you know that that that. Uh, feeling is is out there in terms of you know a lot of people saying like oh you know she got her brother a show like you know she went to nbc and said i want my brother's show on whereas to me knowing how hard i worked on the show and then delivering all the episodes to them and having them watch it and having them really base their decision on the the actual show the content of the show like i said of course the only reason why they watched it is because of her and her connections but when i feel like i really earned that myself in terms of um getting it on the air there and um the success of the show i feel you know is the result of a lot of my own hard work mm. 
So when you work on something so hard and so diligently and for so long, and then someone says like, it's her show or you're the only reason why you got it is because of the connections. Of course, it's, it's, it's hurtful. But on the other hand, I mean, not to, to sort of take down what you're saying, but I mean, if you have, when your movie is out and your next show is out and you are on season seven of, of Welcome to Sweden, I mean, it's going to be a different thing, but you, you're still going to, I mean, as you say, you, you've been in the business for like two years yeah. and she's been in it, in it for 20. It's of course, I mean... Yeah, I mean, I, it's. I, I think it'll always be. It's, I can't imagine. I, I think it's a. It, it would be difficult for me to overcome that and not always be viewed as just uh, her brother. And like I said, I'm actually generally fine with that. It's not something that bothers me. It bothers me more when when you know the perception that I feel maybe sometimes that people think that um, the show itself is kind of the result of her connections. But, but there's nothing I can do about that. And also, when it comes to com- comparisons, I mean, like I said, like a, the New York Times article, for example, you know, they, they, they praise the show, they praise the other characters and the, and the, and the scripts. And I mean, I did all that, <laughs> you know, it's like, but he's not funny, is, mm. is the thing. It's like, okay, but I, wrote, I, I made those characters and, and, and wrote that, those lines. So my character is not funny, maybe, but... I'd like a little more credit there. So yeah, I think in general, I mean, not just when it comes to my sister's connections and things like that, but in, in the stage I'm in right now in general is somewhere in between being unbelievably thankful and, and, and have so much gratitude for being given the opportunity to do it. And then the flip side is a huge chip on my shoulder because I've been working so hard, you know, that, you know, it, it becomes almost defensive in many ways. Yeah. So I'm somewhere in between. Like, I, you know, by the hour, I kind of change my moods depending on on how I'm feeling. But isn't isn't it also? I mean, because you you seem to be really rational about the the bad critique that you get. But isn't it like that for everybody that you, you can yeah. get one hundred one thousand five hundred positive tweets, but it's still going to be the two yeah no doubt bad ones. That I'm still thinking stage. about was one. One guy wrote like, like last year, like that he just didn't like my face. <laughs> Said watching Welcome Sweden, it's okay. I just can't stand this the main character's face or something like that. And <laughs> for some reason, I can't stop thinking about that tweet. Like, what is with my face? Is it is it that offensive that you would you know take the time to craft a tweet about it? Uh, I find that <laughs> I find that interesting. But no, it's it, it's it's certainly. Especially, it's not just because, you know, there's a bad or negative review. And if you're an actor, I think it's easier. But for me, I mean, I, like I said, I produce the show, I show run it, I, I write it, I come home, I, I, sh- I shoot, I come home, like my days now, I, I sh- we shoot basically 12-hour days or so. And then I come home and I watch the dailies from the night before, I'm trying to get better and, and editing it as well, or helping edit it. And, and, and so at the end of that, there's so much work that goes in and you, you're, you're making something you think is good or at least not terrible that when somebody else says that they hate it it's 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 really personal um more so than than like anything else could be it's you know it's like working on a painting for 18 months and 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 crafting it just the way you want it and then finally unveiling it and having someone be like oh that's terrible you begin to question your own taste Mm. 
but luckily the, the the good the good ones and the good tweets uh, it's still worth for me to to scroll through i haven't gotten to the stage where the the bad ones totally cancel out the good ones but you need like the ratio to be about nine to one for it to be worth it because the one is is you know the one bad one is is 10 times as hurtful as as the the good ones are good i had to move our interview one week and and then i said that i hate myself for doing that and you said mm. well something funny back and you said just keep hating yourself <laughs> yeah but for other reasons not yeah, for exactly this. yeah uh, but and i said that uh, don't worry i'm swedish <laughs> and i sort of thought that that was a swedish uh, thing because if i would generalize i would say that Americans seem more confident, but I mean, it's still because this is a confidence thing, right? That you, mm-hmm. the bad critique sort of sticks so hard with you. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think it's less about confidence. It's just, it's, it's just so, like I said, when you work on something that you think you make it, that you think is good to see somebody else. It's something about tweeting too. It's like, it's another level of somebody doesn't like it so much that they're writing about it, mm. but how much they don't like it. Yeah, it's 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 it stinks, but it's I, I'm so much better at it now. Now I can laugh those off, you know. The, I don't like his face tweets much easier than I did when I started. Because I mean, it, you know, it, there's no other really business. Like if people don't like your face, I bet you there's been a lot of people that haven't liked my face throughout my my, my years. It's just nobody has told me. <laughs> or said Obje- it aloud. Objection, your honor. That's an ugly face. <laughs> I don't like that guy's face. <laughs> so that's yeah, that's part of the deal, I think. With once you get into this business, is you know it's gonna happen, but it's hard, it's hard to prepare for. Overruled. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Would you like to recommend something? Well, let's tie this all together into into, into this interview. I would say I would like to recommend for people to really think about what they want to do in life, and I think. Before I did this, you know, whenever I heard about someone who said, follow your dreams, you know, it, it felt so ridiculously cliche. And my, actually, my father used to, I remember watching a show with my father when he, somebody was saying that and he was like, oh, give me a break, follow your dreams. The only, the only people who say that are people who, who became successful. You never hear the person who followed their dreams and didn't make it. And he was like, those people would be, take the job, you know, take, the, take the steady job. But the more I've thought about it, I think the more wrong he is actually about that. And that even the people who have pursued what they wanted to do and failed, they still feel better than the person who didn't try at all and, and took the, 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 the steady route and the steady job. So I just think I would recommend people figure out what makes them happy and what they really want to do. And it doesn't have to be as drastic as, as what we did as far as a career change. It can be something, you know, that you just, a like hobby, you want to learn how to play the piano. But it's never too late to do it. I mean, I think we're proof of that as we embark on our middle age careers and lives. And, and there's the tendency, I think, for to think that it's too late and that you missed it. You missed the opportunity. But um, I'm certainly proof that that's not true. We should have a late bloomers club or something. Yeah, I like it. It'd be me and you and Charles Manson's brother. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, who, who do you think I should interview on Varvet? You know who's interesting, you might want to check it out, is Abby Cornish. You know, she's an Australian actress. She was Robocop's wife in the latest. Ah, uh-huh, okay. She's Kin- Kinnaman's wife in Robocop. All right. And has been in a lot of films, but has recently embarked on a rap career. Rap music career. Fantastic. Yeah. 
She's so got, she's like, got a lot going on. Like a Joaquin Phoenix thing, but in reality. But real, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so I've seen a bit of her. She's got a lot of good things going on. She's an interesting person. Do you have a number? I do, yeah. I can. We can set that up. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time. Thank you, man. It's good to, good to be here. Greg Poehler, ladies and gentlemen. And I have to say that I'm pretty impressed that he just did this amazing thing, that he just made this series and that it's actually working like in both continents. That's super impressive. He's uh, Greg Poehler on Twitter and he's gpoles22 on Instagram. Myself is VarvetPod on both Twitter and Instagram. And uh, I would like to thank Uber for sponsoring the show. I would like to thank Lovisa Olsson for editing and Christina Jörling Biro for producing. Hope to speak to you again in two weeks. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the acclaimed movie, All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply.